0: Section 11 of The Golden Slipper and Other Problems for Violet Strange This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by K Hand The Golden Slipper and Other Problems for Violet Strange by Anna Catherine Green Section 11 Problem 8. The Doctor, His Wife, and the Clock, part two i was laboring under great excitement myself for as a private agent with no official authority such as he evidently attributed to me in the blindness of his passion i felt the incongruity of my position in the face of a matter of such tragic consequence besides i agreed with her that he was in a distempered state of mind and i hardly knew how to deal with one so fixed in his hallucination and with so much intelligence to support it But the emergency was great, for he was holding out his wrists in the evident expectation of my taking him into instant custody, and the sight was killing his wife, who had sunk on the floor between us, in terror and anguish. "'You say you killed Mr. Housebrook,' I began. "'Where did you get your pistol, and what did you do with it after you left his house?' "'My husband had no pistol—never had any pistol,' put in Mrs. Zabriskie, with vehement assertion if i had seen him with such a weapon i threw it away when i left the house i cast it as far from me as possible for i was frightened at what i had done horribly frightened no pistol was ever found i answered with a smile forgetting for the moment that he could not see if such an instrument had been found in the street after a murder of such consequence it certainly would have been brought to the police you forget that a good pistol is valuable property he went on stolidly Someone came along before the general alarm was given, and seeing such a treasure lying on the sidewalk, picked it up and carried it off. Not being an honest man, he preferred to keep it to drawing the attention of the police upon himself. Hm. perhaps, I said. But where did you get it? Surely you can tell where you procured such a weapon, if, as your wife intimates, you did not own one. I bought it that selfsame night of a friend, a friend whom I will not name, since he resides no longer in this country. I... He paused. Intense passion was in his face. He turned towards his wife, and a low cry escaped him, which made her look up in fear. I do not wish to go into any particulars, said he. God forsook me, and I committed a horrible crime. When I am punished, perhaps peace will return to me, and happiness to her. I would not wish her to suffer too long or too bitterly for my sin. Constant! what love was in the cry it seemed to move him and turn his thoughts for a moment into a different channel poor child he murmured stretching out his hands by an irresistible impulse towards her but the change was but momentary and he was soon again the stern and determined self accuser are you going to take me before magistrate he asked if so I have a few duties to perform which you are welcome to witness this was too much i felt that the time had come for me to disabuse his mind of the impression he had unwittingly formed of me i therefore said as considerably as i could you mistake my position dr zabriskie though a detective of some experience i have no connection with the police and no right to intrude myself in a matter of such tragic importance If, however, you are as anxious as you say to subject yourself to police examination, I will mention the same to the proper authorities, and leave them to take such actions as they think best. That will be more satisfactory to me, said he, for though I have many times contemplated giving myself up, I have still much to do before I can leave my home and practice without injury to others. Good day. When you want me, you will find me here. He was gone, and the poor young wife was left crouching on the floor alone. Pitying her shame and terror, I ventured to remark that it was not an uncommon thing for a man to confess to a crime he had never committed, and assured her the matter would be inquired into very carefully before any attempt was made upon his liberty. She thanked me, and slowly rising, tried to regain her equanimity, but the manner as well as the matter of her husband's self-condemnation was too overwhelming in its nature for her to recover readily from her emotions. I have long dreaded this she acknowledged for months I have foreseen that he would make some rash communication or insane avowal if I had dared I would have consulted some physician about this hallucination of his but he was so sane on other points that I hesitated to give my dreadful secret to the world I kept hoping that time and his daily pursuits would have their effect and restore him to himself but his illusion grows and now I fear that nothing will ever convince him that he did not commit the deed of which he accuses himself you were not blind I would have more hope but the blind have so much time for brooding I think he had better be indulged in his fancies for the present I ventured he is laboring under an illusion it might be dangerous to cross him if she echoed in an indescribable tone of amazement and dread can you for a moment harbor the idea that he has spoken the truth madam I returned with something of the cynicism of my calling what caused you to give such an unearthly scream just before this murder was made known to the neighbourhood? She stared and paled, and finally began to tremble, not, as I now believe, at the insinuation latent in my words, but at the doubts which my question aroused in her own breast. Did I? she asked, then with a burst of candour which seemed inseparable from her nature, she continued, Why do I try to mislead you or deceive myself? i did give a shriek just before the alarm was raised next door but it was not from any knowledge i had of a crime having been committed but because i unexpectedly saw before me my husband whom i supposed to be on his way to poughkeepsie he was looking very pale and strange and for a moment i thought i stood face to face with his ghost but he soon explained his appearance by saying that he had fallen from the train and had only been saved by a miracle from being dismembered and I was just bemoaning his mishap, and trying to calm him and myself, when that terrible shout was heard next door of murder, murder. Coming so soon, after the shock he had himself experienced, it quite unnerved him, and I think we can date his mental disturbance from that moment. For he began immediately to take a morbid interest in the affair next door, though it was weeks, if not months, before he let a word fall of the nature of those you have just heard. Indeed, it was not till I repeated to him some of the expressions he was continually letting fall in his sleep that he commenced to accuse himself of crime and talk of retribution. You say that your husband frightened you on that night by appearing suddenly at the door when you thought him on his way to Poughkeepsie. Is Dr. Zabriskie in the habit of thus going and coming alone at an hour so late as this might have been? You forget that to the blind night is less full of perils than the day. "'Often and often has my husband found his way "'to his patients' houses alone after midnight. "'But on this especial evening he had Leonard with him. "'Leonard was his chauffeur, "'and always accompanied him when he went any distance. "'Well, then,' said I, "'all we have to do is to summon Leonard "'and hear what he has to say concerning this affair. "'He will surely know whether or not "'his master went into the house next door.' "'Leonard has left us,' she said. "'Dr. Zabriskie has another chauffeur now.' besides i have nothing to conceal from you leonard was not with him when he returned to the house that evening where the doctor would not have been without his portmanteau till the next day something i have never known what caused them to separate and that is why i have no answer to give the doctor when he accuses himself of committing a deed that night so wholly out of keeping with every other act of his life And have you never asked Leonard why they separated, and why he allowed his master to come home alone after the shock he had received at the station? I did not know there was any reason for my doing so till long after he had left us. And when did he leave? That I do not remember. A few weeks, or possibly a few days after that dreadful night. And where is he now? Ah, that I have not the least means of knowing. But— she objected in sudden distress what do you want of leonard if he did not follow dr zabriskie to his own door he could tell us nothing that would convince my husband that he is laboring under an illusion but he might tell us something which would convince us that dr zabriskie was not himself after the accident that he hush came from her lips in imperious tones i will not believe that he shot mr hasbrook even if you prove him to have been insane at the time how could he my husband is blind it would take a man of very keen sight to force himself into a house closed for the night and kill a man in the dark at one shot on the contrary it is only a blind man who could do this cried a voice from the doorway those who trust to eyesight must be able to catch a glimpse of the mark they aim at and this room as I have been told was without a glimmer of light But the blind trust to sound and as mr hasbrook spoke oh burst from the horrified wife is there no one to stop him when he speaks like that three as you will see this matter so recklessly entered into had proved to be of too serious a nature for me to pursue it farther without the cognizance of the police having a friend on the force in whose discretion i could rely i took him into my confidence and asked for his advice He pooh-poohed the doctor's statements, but said that he would bring the matter to the attention of the superintendent and let me know the result. I agreed to this, and we parted with the mutual understanding that Mum was the word till some official decision had been arrived at. I had not long to wait. At an early day he came in with the information that there had been, as might be expected, a division of opinion among his superiors as to the importance of Dr. Zabriskie's so-called confession, but in one point they had been unanimous and that was the desirability of his appearing before them at headquarters for a personal examination as however in the mind of two out of three of them his condition was attributed entirely to acute mania it had been thought best to employ as their emissary one in whom he had already confided and submitted his case to in other words myself the time was set for the next afternoon at the close of his usual office hours he went without reluctance his wife accompanying him in the short time which elapsed between their leaving home and entering headquarters I embraced the opportunity of observing them and I found the study equally exciting and interesting his face was calm but hopeless and his eye dark and unfathomable but neither frenzied nor uncertain he spoke but once and listened to nothing though now and then his wife moved as if to attract his attention and once even stole her hand towards his in the tender hope that he would feel its approach and accept her sympathy. But he was deaf as well as blind, and sat wrapped up in thoughts which she, I know, would have given worlds to penetrate. Her countenance was not without its mystery also. She showed in every lineament passion, concern, and misery, and a deep tenderness from which the element of fear was not absent but she as well as he betrayed that some misunderstanding deeper than any i had previously suspected drew its intangible veil between them and made the near proximity in which they sat at once a heart-piercing delight and an unspeakable pain what was the misunderstanding and what was the character of the fear that modified her every look of love in his direction her perfect indifference to my presence proved that it was not connected with the position in which he had placed himself towards the police by his voluntary confession of crime, nor could I thus interpret the expression of frantic question which now and then contracted her features as she raised her eyes towards his sightless orbs and strove to read in his firm set lips the meaning of those assertions she could only ascribe to loss of reason. The stopping of the carriage seemed to awaken both from thoughts that separated rather than united them. He turned his face in her direction and she stretching forth her hand prepared to lead him from the carriage without any of that display of timidity which had previously been evident in her manner as his guide she seemed to fear nothing as his lover everything there is another and a deeper tragedy underlying the outward obvious one was my inward conclusion as i followed them into the presence of the gentlemen awaiting them dr zabriskie's quiet appearance was in itself a shock to those who had anticipated the feverish unrest of a madman so was his speech which was calm straightforward and quietly determined i shot mr hasbrook was his steady affirmation given without any show of frenzy or desperation if you ask me why i did it i cannot answer if you ask me how i am ready to state all that i know concerning the matter "'But, Dr. Zabriskie,' interposed one of the inspectors. "'The why is the most important thing for us to consider just now. "'If you really desire to convince us that you committed this dreadful crime "'of killing a totally inoffensive man, "'you should give us some reason for an act so opposed to all your instincts and general conduct.' "'But the doctor continued, unmoved. "'I had no reason for murdering Mr. Hasbrouck. "'A hundred questions can elicit no other reply. "'You had better keep to the how.' A deep-drawn breath from the wife answered the looks of the three gentlemen to whom this suggestion was offered. You see, that breath seemed to protest, that he is not in his right mind. I began to waver in my own opinion, and yet the intuition which has served me in cases seemingly as impenetrable as this bade me beware of following the general judgment. Ask him to inform you how he got into the house, I whispered to Inspector D., who sat nearest me immediately the inspector put the question which i had suggested by what means did you enter mr hasbrook's house at so late an hour as this murder occurred the blind doctor's head fell forward on his breast and he hesitated for the first and only time you will not believe me said he but the door was ajar when i came to it such things make crime easy it is the only excuse i have to offer for this dreadful deed the front door of a respectable citizen's house ajar at half-past eleven at night it was a statement that fixed in all minds the conviction of the speaker's irresponsibility mrs zabriskie's brow cleared and her beauty became for a moment dazzling as she held out her hands in irrepressible relief towards those who were interrogating her husband i alone kept my impassibility a possible explanation of this crime had flashed like lightning across my mind an explanation from which i inwardly recoiled even while i felt forced to consider it dr zabriskie remarked the inspector formerly mentioned as friendly to him such old servants as those kept by mr hasbrook do not leave the front door ajar at twelve o'clock at night yet ajar it was repeated the blind doctor with quiet emphasis and finding it so i went in when i came out again i closed it Do you wish me to swear what i say if so i am ready what reply could they give to see this splendid looking man hallowed by an affliction so great that in itself it called forth the compassion of the most indifferent accusing himself of a cold-blooded crime in tones which sounded dispassionate because of the will forcing their utterance was too painful in itself for any one to indulge in unnecessary words compassion took the place of curiosity and each and all of us turned involuntary looks of pity upon the young wife pressing so eagerly to his side for a blind man ventured one the assault was both deft and certain are you accustomed to mr hasbrook's house that you found your way with so little difficulty to his bedroom i am accustomed he began but here his wife broke in with irrepressible passion he is not accustomed to that house he has never been beyond the first floor why why do you question him do you not see his hand was on her lips hush he commanded you know my skill in moving about a house how i sometimes deceive those who do not know me into believing that i can see by the readiness with which i avoid obstacles and find my way even in strange and untried scenes do not try to make them think i am not in my right mind or you will drive me into the very condition you attribute to me. His face, rigid, cold, and set, looked like that of a mask. Hers, drawn with horror, and filled with question that was fast taking the form of doubt, bespoke an awful tragedy from which more than one of us recoiled. Can you shoot a man dead without seeing him? asked the superintendent with painful effort. Give me a pistol and I will show you was the quick reply a low cry came from the wife in a drawer near to every one of us there lay a pistol but no one moved to take it out there was a look in the doctor's eye which made us fear to trust him with a pistol just then we will accept your assurance that you possess a skill beyond that of most men returned the superintendent and beckoning me forward he whispered this is a case for the doctors and not for the police remove him quietly and notify Dr. Southyard of what I say. But Dr. Zabriskie, who seemed to have an almost supernatural acuteness of hearing, gave a violent start at this, and spoke up for the first time with real passion in his voice. No, no, I pray you, I can bear anything but that. Remember, gentlemen, that I am blind, that I cannot see who is about me, that my life would be a torture if I felt myself surrounded by spies watching to catch some evidence of madness in me rather conviction at once, death, dishonour, and obloquy. These I have incurred. These I have brought upon myself by crime, but not this worse fate. Oh, not this worse fate! His passion was so intense, and yet so confined within the bounds of decorum, that we felt strangely impressed by it. Only the wife stood transfixed, with the dread growing in her heart, her white waxen visage seemed even more terrible to contemplate than his passion distorted one it is not strange that my wife thinks me demented the doctor continued as if afraid of the silence that answered him but it is your business to discriminate and you should know a sane man when you see him inspector d no longer hesitated very well said he give me the least proof that your assertions are true and we will lay your case before the prosecuting attorney proof is not a man's word no man's confession is worth much without some evidence to support it in your case there is none you cannot even produce the pistol with which you assert yourself to have committed the deed true true i was frightened by what i had done And the instinct of self-preservation led me to rid myself of the weapon in any way i could but someone found this pistol someone picked it up from the sidewalk of lafayette place on that fatal night advertise for it offer a reward i will give you the money suddenly he appeared to realize how all this sounded alas cried he i know the story seems improbable but it is not the probable things that happen in this life as you should know who every day dig deep into the heart of human affairs. Were these the ravings of insanity? I began to understand the wife's terror. I bought the pistol, he went on, of— Alas, I cannot tell you his name. Everything is against me. I cannot adduce one proof. Yet even she is beginning to fear that my story is true. I know it by her silence, a silence that yawns between us like a deep and unfathomable gulf but at these words her voice rang out with passionate vehemence no no it is false I will never believe that your hands have been plunged in blood you are my own pure-hearted constant cold perhaps and stern but with no guilt upon your conscience save in your own wild imagination Zolma you are no friend to me he declared pushing her gently aside believe me innocent but say nothing to lead these others to doubt my word and she said no more but her looks spoke volumes the result was that he was not detained though he prayed for instant commitment he seemed to dread his own home and the surveillance to which he instinctively knew he would henceforth be subjected to see him shrink from his wife's hand as she strove to lead him from the room was sufficiently painful but the feelings thus aroused was nothing to that with which we observed the keen and agonized expectancy of his look as he turned and listened for the steps of the officer who followed him from this time on i shall never know whether or not i am alone was his final observation as he left the building here is where the matter rests and here miss strange is where you come in the police were for sending an expert alienist into the house but agreeing with me and in fact with the doctor himself that if he were not already out of his mind this would certainly make them so they at my earnest intercession have left the next move to me that move, as you must by this time understand, involves you. You have advantages for making Mrs. Zabriskie's acquaintance, of which I beg you to avail yourself. As friend or patient, you must win your way into that home. You must sound to its depths one or both of these two wretched hearts. Not so much now for any possible reward which may follow the elucidation of this mystery which has come so near being shelved, but for pity's sake, and the possible settlement of a question which is fast driving a lovely member of your sex distracted may i rely on you if so various instructions followed over which violet mused with a deprecatory shaking of her head till the little clock struck two why should she already in a state of secret despondency intrude herself into an affair at once so painful and so hopeless four But by morning her mood changed the pathos of the situation had seized upon her in her dreams and before the day was over she was to be seen as a prospective patient in dr zabriskie's office she had a slight complaint as her excuse and she made the most of it that is at first but as the personality of this extraordinary man began to make its usual impression she found herself forgetting her own condition in the intensity of interest she felt in his Indeed, she had to pull herself together more than once, lest he should suspect the double nature of her errand, and she actually caught herself at times rejoicing in his affliction, since it left her with only her voice to think of, in her hated but necessary task of deception. That she succeeded in this effort, even with one of his nice ear, was evident from the interested way in which he dilated upon her malady, and the minute instructions he was careful to give her the physician being always uppermost in his strange dual nature when he was in his office or at the bedside of the sick and had she not been a deep reader of the human soul she would have left his presence in simple wonder at his skill and entire absorption in an exacting profession but as it was she carried with her an image of subdued suffering which drove her from that moment on to ask herself what she could do to aid him in his fight against his own illusion for to associate such a man with a senseless and cruel murder was preposterous what this wish helped by no common determination led her into it was not in her mind to conceive she was making her one great mistake but as yet she was in happy ignorance of it and pursued the course laid out for her without a doubt of the ultimate result having seen and made up her mind about the husband she next sought to see and gauge the wife that she succeeded in doing this by means of one of her sly little tricks is not to the point but what followed in natural consequence is very much so a mutual interest sprang up between them which led very speedily to actual friendship mrs zabriskie's hungry heart opened to the sympathetic little being who clung to her in such evident admiration while Violet, brought face to face with a real woman, succumbed to feelings which made it no imposition on her part to spend much of her leisure in Zulma Zabriskie's company. The result were the following naive reports which drifted into her employer's office from day to day as this intimacy deepened. The doctor is settling into a deep melancholy from which he tries to rise at times, but with only indifferent success yesterday he rode around to all his patients for the purpose of withdrawing his services on the plea of illness but he still keeps his office open and to-day i had the opportunity of witnessing his reception and treatment of the many sufferers who came to him for aid i think he was conscious of my presence though an attempt had been made to conceal it For the listening look never left his face from the moment he entered the room, and once he rose and passed quickly from wall to wall, groping with outstretched hands into every nook and corner, and barely escaping contact with the curtain behind which I was hidden. But if he suspected my presence, he showed no displeasure at it, wishing perhaps for witness to his skill in the treatment of disease. And truly, I never beheld a finer manifestation of practical insight in cases of a more or less baffling nature he is certainly a most wonderful physician and i feel bound to record that his mind is as clear for business as if no shadow had fallen upon it dr zabriskie loves his wife but in a way torturing to himself and to her if she is gone from the house he is wretched and yet when she returns he often forbears to speak to her or if he does speak it is with a constraint that hurts her more than his silence i was present when she came in to-day her step which had been eager on the stairway flagged as she approached the room and he naturally noticed the change, and gave his own interpretation to it. His face, which had been very pale, flushed suddenly, and a nervous trembling seized him, which he sought in vain to hide. But by the time her tall and beautiful figure stood in the doorway, he was his usual self again in all but the expression of his eyes, which stared straight before him in an agony of longing only to be observed in those who have once seen. "'Where have you been, Zolma? he asked. As contrary to his wont, he moved to meet her." To my mother's to Arnold and constables and to the hospital as you requested was her quick answer made without faltering or Embarrassment he stepped still nearer and took her hand and as he did so my eye fell on his and I noted that his finger lay over her pulse in seeming unconsciousness Nowhere else he queried She smiled the saddest kind of smile and shook her head Then remembering that he could not see this movement. She cried in a wistful tone nowhere else constant I was too anxious to get back I expected him to drop her hand at this but he did not and his finger still rested on her pulse and Whom did you see while you were gone? He continued she told him naming over several names You must have enjoyed yourself was his cold comment as he let go her hand and turned away But his manner showed relief and I could not but sympathize with the pitiable Situation of a man who found himself forced into means like this for probing the heart of his young wife yet when i turned towards her i realized that her position was but little happier than his tears are no strangers to her eyes but those which welled up at this moment seemed to possess a bitterness that promised but little peace for her future yet she quickly dried them and busied herself with ministrations for his comfort if i am any judge of woman Zolma zabriskie is superior to most of her sex that her husband mistrusts her is evident but whether this is the result of the stand she has taken in his regard or only a manifestation of dementia, I have as yet been unable to determine. I dread to leave them alone together, and yet, when I presume to suggest that she should be on her guard in her interviews with him, she smiles very placidly, and tells me that nothing would give her greater joy than to see him lift his hand against her, for that would argue that he is not accountable for his deeds or assertions. Yet it would be a grief to see her injured by this passionate and unhappy man." You have said that you wanted all the details I could give, so I feel bound to say that Dr. Zabriskie tries to be considerate of his wife, though he often fails in the attempt. When she offers herself as his guide, or assists him with his mail, or performs any of the many acts of kindness by which she continually manifests her sense of his affliction, he thanks her with courtesy and often with kindness, yet I know she would willingly exchange all his set phrases for one fond embrace or impulsive smile of affection.' It would be too much to say that he is not in the full possession of his faculties, and yet upon what other hypothesis can we account for the inconsistencies of his conduct? I have before me two visions of mental suffering. At noon I passed the office door, and, looking within, saw the figure of Dr. Zabriskie seated in his great chair, lost in thought or deep in those memories which make an abyss in one's consciousness. His hands, which were clenched, rested upon the arms of his chair, and in one of them I detected a woman's glove which i had no difficulty in recognizing as one of the pair worn by his wife this morning he held it as a tiger might hold his prey or a miser his gold but his set features and sightless eyes betrayed that a conflict of emotions was being waged within him among which tenderness had but little share though alive as he usually is to every sound he was too absorbed at this moment to notice my presence though i had taken no pains to approach quietly I therefore stood for a full minute watching him, till an irresistible sense of the shame at thus spying upon a blind man in his moments of secret anguish compelled me to withdraw. But not before I saw his features relax in a storm of passionate feeling, as he rained kisses after kisses on the senseless kid he had so long held in his motionless grasp. Yet when an hour later he entered the dining-room on his wife's arm, there was nothing in his manner to show that he had in any way changed in his attitude toward her. The other picture was more tragic still i was seeking mrs zabriskie in her own room when i caught a fleeting vision of her tall form with her arms thrown up over her head and a paroxysm of feeling which made her as oblivious to my presence as her husband had been several years before were the words that escaped her lips thank god we have no children or was this exclamation suggested to me by the passion and unrestrained impulse of her action so much up to date Interesting enough, or so her employer seemed to think, as he went hurriedly through the whole story, one special afternoon in his office, tapping each sheet as he laid it aside with his sagacious forefinger, as though he would say, Enough, my theory still holds good, nothing contradictory here. On the contrary, complete and undisputable confirmation of the one and only explanation of this astounding crime. What was that theory, and in what way and through whose efforts had he been enabled to form one? The following notes may enlighten us. Though written in his own hand, and undoubtedly a memorandum of his own activities, he evidently thinks it worthwhile to re-peruse them in connection with those he had just laid aside. We can do no better than to read them also. We omit dates. Watched the Zabriskie mansion for five hours this morning from the second-story window of an adjoining hotel, saw the doctor when he drove away on his round of visits, and saw him when he returned. A colored man accompanied him. To-day I followed Mrs. Zabriskie. She went first to a house in Washington Place, where I am told her mother lives. Here she stayed some time, after which she drove down to Canal Street, where she did some shopping, and later stopped at the hospital, into which I took the liberty of following her. She seemed to know many there, and passed from cot to cot with a smile, in which I alone discerned the sadness of a broken heart. When she left, I left also, without having learned anything beyond the fact that Mrs. Zabriskie is one who does her duty in sorrow as in joy." a rare and trustworthy woman i should say and yet her husband does not trust her why i have spent this day in accumulating details in regard to dr and mrs zabriskie's life previous to the death of mr hasbrook i learned from sources it would be unwise to quote just here that mrs zabriskie had not lacked enemies to charge her with coquetry that while she had never sacrificed her dignity in public more than one person had been heard to declare that dr zabriskie was fortunate in being blind since the sight of his wife's beauty would have but poorly compensated him for the pain he would have suffered in seeing how that beauty was admired that all gossip is more or less tinged with exaggeration i have no doubt yet when a name is mentioned in connection with such stories there is usually some truth at the bottom of them and a name is mentioned in this case though i do not think it worth my while to repeat it here and loath as i am to recognize the fact it is a name that carries with it doubts that might easily account for the husband's jealousy true i have found no one who dares hint that she still continues to attract attention or to bestow smiles in any direction save where they legally belong for since a certain memorable night which we all know neither dr zabriskie nor his wife have been seen save in their own domestic circle and it is not into such scenes that this serpent to whom i have just alluded ever intrudes nor is it in places of sorrow or suffering that his smile shines or his fascinations flourish and so one portion of my theory is proved to be sound dr zabriskie is jealous of his wife whether with good cause or bad i am not prepared to decide since her present attitude clouded as it is by the tragedy in which she and her husband are both involved must differ very much from that which she held when her life was unshadowed by doubt, and her admirers could be counted by the score. I have just found out where Leonard is. As he is in service some miles up the river, I shall have to be absent from my post for several hours, but I consider the game well worth the candle. Light at last! I have not only seen Leonard, but succeeded in making him talk. His story is substantially this—that on the night so often mentioned he packed his master's portmanteau at eight o'clock. And at ten called a taxi and rode with the doctor to the central station he was told to buy tickets to poughkeepsie where his master had been called in consultation and having done this hurried back to join dr zabriskie on the platform they had walked together as far as the cars and dr zabriskie was just stepping on to the train when a man pushed himself hurriedly between them and whispered something into his master's ear which caused him to fall back and lose his footing dr zabriskie's body slid half under the car but he was withdrawn before any harm was done though the cars gave a lurch at that moment which must have frightened him exceedingly for his face was white when he rose to his feet and when leonard offered to assist him again on the train he refused to go and said he would return home and not attempt to ride to poughkeepsie that night end of section eleven